Thanks, Harry. Cool. I'm going to start us off this morning um, in James 2, verse 14 to 26. Just like a good amount of scripture for us to read this morning, and then we're going to get into the word a bit further. So let's let's dig in. So you guys are already there. Over guys. So verse 14. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith, but it has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If anyone says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself If it is not accompanied by action, it is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish person. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together. And his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see, that a person is considered righteous for what they do, and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for this morning. I thank you, Father, that as we are together here as your people, that there's an invitation coming from your throne room to each and every one of our hearts. And that invitation says, come to me. Believe me. Trust in me. And I pray this morning, God, that as we get into your word, I pray for each and every one of us here this morning, God, that we will walk out changed. God, because this, this is what your word does. It changes us. It, it changes the way we think, the way we perceive things. Your word comes alive through your Holy Spirit. And I pray this morning, God, that as we sit together here, God, and as we open up your word, I pray for your Holy Spirit to come in this moment, God, and that it would make these words come alive in our hearts, God. And I pray for our minds to be changed. I pray for our perspective to be changed and transformed into a perspective that is pleasable to you, God. And so we trust you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So this morning, my um, title is Faith That Works. So it's a little bit of a double play, because it's faith that works, meaning faith that actually saves. Last week, we spoke about um, our faith that doesn't work, like false faith, fake gods, false faith, and the fire of God. And we spoke about um, a faith that is full of knowledge, but it's got no application. And how that kind of faith is actually a faith that does not work, because it does not save. The same as what we read here a few times. Faith is without works is dead. Faith without works is useless. And a faith that doesn't work is dead. And so this morning, I'm speaking to us about faith that works. And faith that works means it's faith that saves, that brings us to God, that, that makes us in right standing with Him. But at the same time, faith that works is faith that is working. Get that? Faith that works. And I think for all of us, I know that I don't need to convince us that we need to be busy in the Lord. Amen? I think for all of us that when we come to the Lord and we come to know Him and we give our lives over to Him, immediately there's a sense in our hearts of, I want to count for God. Amen? Like I remember when I got saved, it's like I knew at that moment that my life is going to be forever changed and the trajectory of my life is completely shifted. And I knew that from that moment on forward, there was this prayer deep inside my heart that I was saying like, God, I want my life to count for you. I want my life devoted to your kingdom and to your ways and to building your kingdom. I knew that the day that I got saved, that thing just changed. And I'm like, here God, here's my life, it's yours. And I'm trusting this morning that that same desire and that same hunger will be, if it's not in your heart, that it will be birthed. But if it's gone cold, I pray that this morning that it will be ignited again. Because I believe that is what God's desire for us is. God's desire is not just for us to one day join Him in heaven. God doesn't need us on earth to just one day join Him in heaven. Like, He could have taken us, but yet, He kept us here. And so there's something about us being here on earth and coming to know God that we've got to realize there's a part that God does and there's a part that we need to do. In heaven one day, we're not going to discover God anymore. Scripture speaks that in heaven one day, when we get there, everything will be revealed. We will know God and see God for who He truly is. Just like Adam and Eve back in the garden, that they, it says there in the, in, the, in the book of Genesis that they were, they were like one with God. It's like they fully knew God. And I believe 
it's a thing of one day when we come back into heaven, we're going to fully see God and know God for who He is. But here on earth, we've got this opportunity to walk out and discover God, to walk with God, to build relationship with God. It says that when He comes back in the end, it says that every knee will bow. Those who know Him and those who don't. Whether you want to see Him or whether you kind of believe that He's not there at all, you will bow the knee before Him and it will be made known to you that He truly is the one true living God. There's going to be no choice in it. But here today, as I'm here and as you are sitting here, we have this opportunity to walk with God. We have this opportunity to get to know God. To discover Him. But we so easily fall into this place where we just know about God. I love theology and I love like, and theology means the study of God. But I realize that in my own life, and I see it in other people's lives as well, is that we so often think that studying about God equals knowing God. And it does not. Now, knowing God is walking with Him. It's speaking to Him. It's being next to Him. It's following Him. It's learning about Him. It's learning how, how or exposing yourself to him. It's not just a mere thing of, I know what, the, uh, I'm a trichotomist and you're a dichotomist. I'm a uh, Arminius and you are a, uh, a Calvinist. I'm a premillennialist and you're a millennialist. Does anybody know what that means? Well, some people will tell you that that makes a big difference. But you can be a millennialist, dichotomist, Calvinist, whatever kind of nest, and do all the things about God. You can have your master degrees. You can have everything you want that tells people here on earth that you know about God, but actually God does not know you. This morning, I want us to come to Him with a simple desire, a simple flame in our hearts that just says, God, I want to know you. Above everything else, I want to know you. I want to know about you. I want to know you. Because unless you know Him, and He knows you, you have a faith that does not work. Even that scripture that we read, says the demons know Him. And they shudder. Ephesians 2 verse 8 says this, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. 
And it is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Which God has prepared in advance for us to do. So first of all, we're saved by grace through faith. That's what saves us. It's believing that Jesus truly paid for our sins. And that he has made the way that he has um, been the, the full propitiation for our sins. The full price. The full thing that was needed for me and for you to stand in the, in the, in the presence of the Father to come into his throne room. That price was paid. And I don't see it right now yet. But I know it's by grace through faith, through believing. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. And so one day we're going to come to that place where we will see that it's fully done. But it's not yet. But it speaks there that we cannot attain this saving through works. Now, there's many people on the earth that are amazing people that probably live better lives than me and you put together. They give to the poor, they go out into the war zone, and they care for the cats and the dogs and the orphans and the people that sacrifice their lives for the good of others. But no matter how good you are, no matter for how many people you love and you give them food and you just help them in their every need, if you do not know Jesus and if your life is not hidden in Him, it means nothing. And it's not a faith that saves. But, As we are God's handiwork, like the scripture said. It says that God has prepared for each and every one of us, for you and for me, good works. Not dead works. Not useless works. Good works. Good works that confirms. Good works that matures. The very faith that is burning in our hearts, the very belief, the very knowing that Jesus truly is the Son of God, that the Father truly is the one over all, that He truly is the one true living God. That faith, God has given good works for each and every one of us sitting here, that takes that faith, matures it, proves it, and shows it to be real. Good works. And I believe here, for us this morning, that God is wanting to come and first of all draw us to Him. God wants intimacy with me and with you. He's not looking for for a slave. Now, I'm just, hear me in this. I'm not speaking against where Scripture speaks that we are slaves to Jesus. I believe I'm the first one to say I'm a slave to Him. 
So that's, that's something else. I'm not going to qualify that right now. I'm not going to go there right now. I'm just, there's a different side to this as well. But God is not looking for slaves or for robots. No, God is looking for a relationship. God wants to walk with us in the cool of the garden like he did with Adam. If I want to I want to ask you here this morning. Do you want to walk with God in that way? Like really? Like do you want to walk with him in that way? Many a nights I sit in my bed and as I like in that place of where I'm trying to fall asleep, there's this big longing inside of me that I'm going like, oh Lord. I really want to know you. More than anything in my life, God, I really want to know you. I want to walk with you. There's nothing else that matters. Nothing else matters more. And in walking with Him, I find there's these the things that he asks me to do. And he calls us into that relationship. And he's like, hey, would you give me your ear? I think sometimes we forget that he's God. Like, yes, he's, he is marshmallow, but he's not just marshmallow. <laughs> but can you imagine, like, when the psalmist says, what is, who is man that God is mindful of him? Like I can so relate with that. Because I'm going, this is the living God. The one true God that can, like without me having a choice, he could have made me a robot that serves him without feeling, without promise, without inheritance, without any love. He could have just told me, you will serve me. And there's nothing that I can do in my strength to stop that or change that. Yet he comes. Lowly. Would you follow me? Would you make time for me? Like, who am I? <laughs> that he needs to come and do that. And I find my heart just like a rabbit trail. There's a rabbit that my heart chases down that way. And there's a rabbit that my heart changes. But yet here, the living God, standing in front of me with the invitation saying, follow me. And as I follow him, it's like I'm walking. I don't just want to say a father because for myself and for many of us here, our picture of the word father is so tainted and twisted. But it's a father that I, that I have never seen and have now experienced where he walks with me and he's like, actually, Rian, my boy, would you do that? I go like, God, it's the greatest of pleasure. It's like I don't even count the cost of it. I'm like, Lord, whatever it means, I will do it. And sometimes it's difficult. 
Leon, would you deny yourself? Leon, would you try not fight for yourself? Leon, would you try and not protect yourself? And just love. And just give. And just allow that person to hurt you. I'm right here. I'm right here next to you. I'll, I'll keep you safe. But you just love. Now that that hurt, it, it's only temporary. It only stays here on earth. But actually, the one day that that what is not yet seen, man, you are fully whole. You're unhurt, untainted. You're my boy. And so I find myself in that place of where I realize my faith cannot just stand alone. Sometimes people would say to you, okay, cool, have faith. We have faith. You can do this. And faith is not a strength. It's not a skill. And it's not confidence in our own ability. Faith is actually the opposite of strength. It's the opposite of confidence in our own ability. It's the opposite of me thinking I know what to do. And let me... Let me Read you the scripture. Such a beautiful scripture. Romans 4, verse 21. It speaks about Abraham. It says, Being fully persuaded. It says that Abraham was fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. Romans 4, 21. I want to ask you here this morning. Are you willing to be fully persuaded? It is. Are you willing to be fully persuaded that God has the power, that what He has promised, He will do? Because if we do, I want to say to you, our lives are going to look very different to what they're looking now. When last have you stepped out and trusted God? Getting some eyebrows looking at me. When last have you stepped out and really trusted God? And I don't, I'm not making this lace, so just hear me in it. But I, I don't mean the kind of I'm trusting God for the thing I want to buy. Or the thing I, I believe is going to add to my life. No, I've, I've trusted God for those things that you know it costs you and it's going to cost you everything. But God is saying, trust me. Maybe it's a calling. And I spoke in the week with somebody. Maybe it's a calling where you feel God has called you to be a prophet to the nations.
And you can work that thing out in your own way and make everybody know and post all the, the Facebook messages of God saying this today and God is saying that today. And, and you're waiting for that moment for somebody to recognize. Or you say, God, I thank you that you have caused this and you've spoken this. So, Lord, I'm going to take my gift and I'm going to serve your body. Even if I do not get to prophesy. Does that make sense? When lots of you trusted God, really, where it could cost you, and where it does cost you to put that thing down. If I think of Abraham, and I think of he, God promised him the son, but then he has to take the son, and like just something to understand about Abraham's son, Isaac, he wasn't a small little baby when God said to Abraham, you need to now offer him back to me. He was at least like 12, 13 years old. I cannot go anywhere. The moment I take my car keys from the piano, my girls are like, where are you going? What are you going to do? Can we come with you? And my girls, it doesn't always, I don't always have to tell you where I'm going. So I can imagine for Abraham and Isaac, like Isaac would have known that Abraham at certain times would make offerings to God. And he would know that as Abraham would make an offering to God, that there are certain things that you need to make an offering. Hence, a uh, little sheepy. And every time they would take the sheepy with, but Abraham is like, hey, cool, we're going to go do an offering today. And Isaac's like, Dad, I think you are, um, did you get mommy's list? I think you're forgetting something. And it's not like they could get into the car and it's a quick drive up. I don't know what they used. Maybe they walked. Maybe they had to carry a cart. And that cart was not just something that probably was, was empty, but it was probably full of wood, full of all the things to make the fire on the altar. But yet, yet everything without having the sheep. He knew God said to him, I want you to offer your son. Can you imagine? When lost, have you trusted in God like that? So then when I look at that and I read the scripture of Abraham being fully persuaded. Like there's not an ounce of doubt in him. That what God has said, God will do. And God promised Abraham generations. But now his only son and Abraham is not the young man anymore. And his wife is also not a young one anymore. I think she was 80. Hey? Anybody? 99. It's like, look, this lady, she's... The red wine is not good anymore. It's now done. So his only son, where's the generations going to come from? 
And yet here Abraham comes, being fully persuaded, trusts in God. Is God able to speak to you and me like that? Psalm 34, verse 4 to 8. I just want to show us how this psalm kind of progresses, if I can say it like that. Verse 4. I sought the Lord. He answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to Him are radiant. Their faces, faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him. Out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. And he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. It's a great scripture. But it's so easy for us to look over actually how the writer Starts off by seeking God. Starts off by expressing to God. Starts off by saying, God, actually I want to know you. I want to, God, these are the things that's troubling me. And it's like a relationship. It's not just God came and God did. No, he sought after God and then he saw God coming through. He, he came to God and shared with God his fears and shared with God the things that is within him. And through that, he came to see God come through for him. So then when it comes to verse 8 and he says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. The encouragement is first to taste. If we do not spend time with God, if we don't get time with God, we'll never get to know Him. We'll never get to realize that He truly is good. Because all that we're left with is with kind of like question marks. Your God must know my heart, and He must know my feelings, and He must know my, my, my thoughts. So I'm not going to spend time with him. I'm just going to go, he's God. He knows. And then something happens. And then you have no proof that it actually was God that did it. Or that it was not God that did it. Because you didn't actually get yourself into that place where you can actually trust him. God is not looking for us to walk in a way that is kind of like, oh, maybe that's God, or, or, or maybe that's God. No. It says he has got good works prepared for those who love him. He's calling us to a place of where he wants us to walk with him day in and day out and say, look there, that's what I'm doing. Oh, Lord, amazing. I prayed for that. I sought you, God, and you came through for me. I sought you, God, and your, my enemies are scattered. I, I, I tasted God, and I see that actually you are good. He calls us to a relationship. Intimacy with God builds trust. It causes us 
to know Him. And so this morning, as we've heard, the invitation of God is that we would come to know Him. Our faith cannot work without knowing Him. Scripture that we all know very well. Matthew 7, and it's at the end where Jesus speaks with the Sermon on the Mount, and it's one of the last things that He mentions. And He says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. Crazy. A little bit of historical context. What happened there is there was Jews that were not yet believing in Jesus, but they heard of Jesus, heard what Jesus has done, and know that some people believe that this is the Messiah that has been promised them for thousands of years. And so these Jews would go, and they would go to where there's whatever, a demon-possessed person, and they would go, hey, come out demon in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches. And they would see demons go away. But they're actually not Christians, and they don't walk with the authority of heaven that God has placed inside of them or inside of us. And then one day they came, and they tried to do that. And this was a little bit of like a chunkier demon. And he said to them, who are you? I know Paul, I know Jesus, but who are you? And it says that the demon in that person gave them a hiding, like a proper hiding. One like Liverpool felt against Nottingham Forest. I just had to throw that in there, I'm sorry. I'm joking. Okay. No, they got a hiding. But you know what happened from that hiding? Is they ran. They ran to Jesus. They repented. And all of a sudden, they believed. Because then they realized, it's not to know about Him. It's to know Him. Because driving out a demon, looking powerful, being able to speak eloquently, being able to prophesy or, or quote scripture or even break open what the deep theology means, means nothing compared to knowing Him. So quite... J.I. Packer is a theologian... Um, born in the 30s, 1930. And he wrote this book in 1970-ish. I don't know the exact date. But in this book, the book's name is Knowing God. And he says this. Once you become aware that the main business that you are here for, and he's speaking about our life on earth, is to know God, most of life's problems fall into place of their own accord. 
That's what we are here for. We're here to know God. Everything else falls in place after that. Everything. People say that you need money. I want to say to you, you don't need money. You need God. Once we start to know God, we start adopting His character. And we start living out His nature. And God's nature is that of a nature that's always moving. He's always doing something. So when we come to that place of where we say that we know God and have faith in God, but my life is empty of moving with God, we've got to realize that we've given ourselves to a false faith. And I believe the word of the Lord to us as a people, as a congregation, is God is calling us to a true faith. A faith in Him. A faith that works. If I look across this room, I see so many possibilities. So many possibilities. So many lives that can be changed and can be impacted through each and every person that sits here. But even as I'm speaking this message, and don't go all weird with this, but the sense in my heart is, is I can feel I'm coming up, up against an enemy. The enemy that's trying to say to me, don't say these things. You're going to get the people active. It's a book of C.S. Lewis. Where it's, Man, what's the book's name? Screw tape letters. And it's where two demons speak to one another. And they speak about how they influence people. Such a good book. I want to encourage you to read it. But the older demon says to the younger demon, he says this, like you're doing too much. All that you need to do is get them to do nothing, and you've done everything. Get them to do nothing. You've done everything. A faith without works is useless. And as I'm standing here today, I'm going like, ah, I'm in a fight. But I want to I come to you this morning. And I want to ask you, take up the fight. Take up the cross. Don't allow the enemy to tell you that I, man, I'm, I'm okay. Start asking God this very dangerous question. Lord, what is there that you want me to do? I dare you. I dare you. Sounds funny. But you do need to know this, that he will answer. And when he answers, is he going to find you persuaded? Or is he going to find you fearful? Or maybe just 
not caring. So, I want to end off with this. Is the how. How do we live out a faith that works? There's going to be three short points. All starting with an S. First of all, start small, start safe. Start small, start safe. Then in the corner, we've got Acts 2, 42. Oh, not, it's not Acts 2, 42. Sorry, forget that. Ephesians 4, verse 11 to 12. We are part of 4, 12. And it says this. It says that God has given the apostles, the prophets, the teachers, the uh, pastors, the, um, I missed one, evangelists, sorry. Sorry, evangelists. You are loved. God has given these for the equipping of the saints. For what? For the work of? The work of ministry. Who? The saints. For the what? The work of ministry. Not to sit in your seat and just know about God. No, the work of ministry. We as a church have many things that go on. It was so beautiful the other day, Helen. Um, mentioned about the, the team that is coming. And in that week, or this last week, we probably like three or four ladies that don't have short, almost said short kids, that don't have small kids. <laughs> ladies that don't have small little daughters. But it really feels like they want to do something and they want to help. That said, Helen, can I help please? Start small, start safe. I want to say to those ladies that say, I want to, well done. Well done. See, we're given this space where people love you, where people want the best for you, where people, leaders are saying like, Lord, we want to see what you have for each and every person. God, give us wisdom. God, help us that we can that we can mine out the gold that's in each and every person's life. And so you're part of this body that's all geared towards you walking out a faithful life in God. A life that you cannot even start to imagine what it would look like. All that you need to do is just start. It's just put yourself out there. Those ladies had no reason to say we want to help. They don't have little girls. Maybe they've got boys. But they were going like, I want help. And those kind of things acquires faith. It acquires something of to say that, hey, I can add something to this. Hey, I want to be helpful. See, if intimacy gets us to the place of where we come to find the nature of God and we find the character of God, have you ever found God not to be helpful? Have you ever found Him to resist you if you come and ask Him? No. So in the same way, if we know Him and we taste Him and we experience walking with Him, what happens to us? We become a helpful people. We become a serving people. We become a people that love one another. 
So when one struggles, I'm there to help. When one has got need, and I know I have, I'm there to help. Start small, start safe. The body is a safe space for us to make mistakes. I've stood up here and said, hey, I'm sorry, I've made mistakes. There's many others, elders, deacons, community leaders that go like, hey, I thought I was doing the best thing here, but I'm sorry, I made a mistake. And we go, cool. Now let's carry on. See, all of us are going to make mistakes. But better to make mistakes in here than to go out there and you become like those Jews and get clapped six love or one no. No, God is calling each and every one of us here to say, you can, you can add to this. You've been placed here to add. You've been placed here to give. You've been placed here to help, to come alongside. We've got, I was lucky to see Dylan this morning behind the AV. He, he didn't make any big mistakes. So well done, Dylan. We can celebrate it. There's AV. There's sound. There's coffee. There's kids' church. Can I tell you that the kids' church is one of those ministries where people try and run away from? But I want to say to you this. If you are serious about the work of God in your life, and you truly want to live out the calling that God has placed on you, the first place that you need to go to is the kids' church. You get to preach, and you get to Run around and play with these kids and find a way to love them. Yes. I'm glad somebody caught what I was saying there. But I want to say to you this. That no matter how those kids sometimes can like look at you and go like, oh, you see. When you go out there having to face a world that wants nothing to do with God. It's much better having built up some form of thickness in there. (laughs) Amen? Second point. Stay consistent. Stay consistent. The one thing that I see in people's lives, and even what I find in my own life, is we struggle to stay consistent. God does something in our hearts, and then we're like, "Woo! I'm going to do this. And then comes the morning that we go to kids' church, and you go like, I've got an amazing preach, and I've spent the whole week, and it's got 10 points, and they're all starting with H, and you get there, and the kids after two minutes go, mm, this is boring. And your whole life crumbles. I'm over-exaggerating this, so just... Your whole life crumbles, and you go, you know what? I knew it. Kids' church does not work. I'm not made for this. This church is full of nonsense. I'm just going to come, and I'm going to sit, because I missed out on the preach as well. And then when we get into the seats with the preach, you're still thinking of your 10 points of H that you had, and thinking how Rian is messing it up with all kinds of things. I can do better. 
And you fall into a hole of where it just gets better, 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 better. Knowledge puffs up. Stay consistent. There's something in the last while that I've been, I've been learning how to surf. And I'm saying learning because I'm still learning. I was, I was paddling, when was it? Wednesday. We went out, went for a surf, went paddling. And when you say paddling, it means like literally I'm on this board and you've got waves coming at you. And my board is a big board because I'm a big boy. And um, I still need to float. I can't just use these small boards, okay? So I've got this big buoyant board and it's like a boat almost. And I'm paddling out and these waves just come on crashing. And so you can do a little bit of like taking your board and pushing it under the the water, and I do do that, but after the 10th wave, that you, f- you feel like I should be out a kilometer at sea already with how I've paddled, you realize it's like I'm out like maybe 20 meters from the beach, because it's like you've got a stream that's coming against you, and you've got waves that's coming against you, and so then I just paddle, 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 and then after a while, I'm just like... Ugh. I'd literally just lie on my, on my board, and then the next wave comes, and it just tips you over. <laughs> and then you might pick your board up, and you go again. And that's what my story has been, surfing, for the last six, seven months. It's trying to get out to the back line. But then, yesterday, I went surfing, yesterday morning. Again, just paddling, paddling, paddling. Not getting out. Come back out. I'm tired. We're going to try one more time. We find a way that you can get through behind the waves. So you're not going in that point where it's all the points of the waves. No, we're going to just go this way that's a little bit shorter, and we go around the waves. Hey. And here I go around the waves. But what I want to say with that is, is us not staying consistent And giving up too quickly causes us to not learn. It causes us not to find that thing, to keep on pushing through. But when we keep on pushing through, eventually what happens is we find a better way. And I felt the Lord say this to me. The path of success is through failure. And maybe it's a quote I've read somewhere, but if not, then ascribe me to this quote, please. The path of success is through failure and faithfulness through hardship. If you want to be faithful in the Lord, you've got to realize there's going to be a lot of failures. There's going to be a lot of hardship. But keep on keeping on. Amen. And then my last point, and I'm ending with this. Stay humble. Stay humble. Humility is, the, is a characteristic of who God is. Humility keeps us in that place of where we're always learning. Where we're always saying, God, what are you doing? God, who can I learn from? God, what is there that I need to? And I find that in walking with God, The moment I 
kind of step into that place of thinking I know, that's the moment when I dig into my own fleshly reserves and I start coming into my own power. But that's the place where I fall and I fail. But staying humble, being that one that keeps on saying, Lord, I do not know. Lord, would you come and show? Lord, would you come and give me wisdom? Lord, would you help me? It's that thing that keeps the Lord with us. Scripture tells us this, that God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Let's close our eyes. Father, I want to thank you this morning that there's an invitation to us. An invitation to know you. An invitation to walk with you. An invitation, God, to be right alongside you. And I pray for each and every one of us here this morning, God, that we do not just want to be a people that know about you, but we want to be a people that can truly say that we know our God and our God knows us. And so I thank you for each and every person that's in this room, God. I thank you that for each person sitting here this morning, that you have good work set out. No matter how much we feel unfaithful, no matter how much we feel unworthy, no matter how much we feel like we've messed it up and we've thrown it away, God, I thank you, God, that for each person there is redemption. For each person, person God, you have a, a set out calling and a, and, a, and a destiny and a future that you want to walk out in our lives, God. And I pray here this morning for us, God, that we will be those that say, God, yes. We will be those that say, God, we want to know you above all things. God, we want to know you. And so this morning, I'm not going to ask us for a response. I want to ask us this morning. That if we really are wanting to respond to this word. That we, each and every one of us, make the effort to start small. To start somewhere. Maybe it's just saying to your community leader, hey, what is it I can pray for? Or coming to the elders, is there somebody that I can go and just be friends with? Is there somewhere that I can serve that needs hands? Or is there a car that if somebody needs a lift? I've got space in my car. I'm always open for a lift. I want to encourage us. Start small. So I thank you, God, that you are the one that's working in our hearts here this morning. And I pray for this word to come and bear much fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.